Welcome to this conversation between Stephen Gribben, the CEO and founder of CoachPro, and me, Warren Hammond. Here's a quick snippet of what to expect. Or appreciation or acknowledgement or recognition. You know, you might say to someone, I spent hours on that. But if there's no importance or worth to it, all you've done is spent the time. So if it's moving up to that level of not just, but it's beyond the quantity of things you do and beyond the quality of how well you've done it, up to that level of saying, well, what was the value and impact it had? Where was the importance and the worth? So that the time, effort, investment, whatever it is that you're providing is calculated on value. Welcome back, podcast, to this episode on value. In this episode, Stephen walks us through the value creation model. It's great. Simple. Three boxes with three boxes in it. So a nine-box model. And by the end of this episode, you've improved your ability to be able to identify, to articulate, and communicate value. Now, we know value isn't price. Here it's defined as the importance and worth of something. So whatever you're doing, whether you're trading, your time, your expertise, your knowledge, it's understanding where the value of that lies and how to communicate that as powerfully and with as much impact as possible. Again, as always, there's some really simple standout lessons that when you hear it, you just almost slap yourself and go, God, I know this. I know that already. But seeing it laid out helps. means that you'll be able to do more of it. The model, I love models, a good and great, you know, simple guide to make sure that you don't leave anything out. Any thoughts, comments, as always, get in touch at podcast at coachpro.online. There's lots more on the coachpro.online site, different models and and lots of different videos. Also, we're going to have a full transcript of this at rhinoconsulting.nl. So any thoughts, questions, comments, more information needed, have a look. Be back at the end with some admin. Here comes the cheesy music. Normal call sign. Obviously, we're still on Zoom, we're still in lockdown. So, Edinburgh, can you hear me? Loud and clear. Loud and clear. Good news. This is a good one. Oh, that should be my standard intro. This is a good one. But this is a good one. It's a big one. And I'm not going to do too much intro because it's also a long one. I know we're going to cover a lot of ground. So, today, we are talking about value. Now, Pretty much what we all know about value, we're taught really early, is value is not the same as price. You know, this is what we're always told. Value and price are two distinct things. But I think we still get them all confused sometimes. You know, the price that we put on it or the price that someone else puts on it. So let's get to a good starting point. If value isn't price, what is it, Stephen? What's a better definition of it? Value is how you define importance or worth. Importance or worth. Okay. So I can see how money can sometimes be a proxy for importance or worth, but this is, it isn't just monetary importance or worth. Well, you think the term value for money, 
So that's the amount of money that you'll put depending on the level of importance and worth. Whereas some people just think value for money is either cheap or expensive. But the value is the what you're paying for in terms of importance and worth rather than just commodity. Okay. So if I think it's important, what I think is value for money and you think is a value for money, then it isn't how much money it is. It's the level of importance I feel it has for me and the level of importance you feel it has for you. Yeah, and what it's really worth. And and what this is about, what we're going to cover is your ability to be able to identify and articulate and communicate value so that what you're doing is you're trading your service, product, relationship, time, expertise, anything that you're doing, you're communicating that in terms of its value, so its importance and worth, rather than just its price. And that's important, yes. Because by properly understanding importance and worth, that's how you get a better price. It is in a in a pure sales term, but in terms of everything else, I mean, whether it's money, time, attention, space, understanding this basic concept, you're not always asking for money, are you? You are sometimes you're asking for attention and time, or, or appreciation, or acknowledgement, or recognition. You know, you might say to someone, "I spent hours on that," but if there was no importance or worth to it, all you've done is spent the time. So if it's moving up to that level of not just, but it's beyond the quantity of things you do and beyond the quality of how well you've done it, up to that level of saying, well, what was the value and impact it had? Where was the importance and the worth? So that the time, effort, investment, whatever it is that you're providing is calculated on value. So calculating how important is it and what was the worth that came from it. So what you're able to do is to identify the value and communicate that value so that you're assessed on value. The difficulty with I always have with this, with these type of conversations, is when you say it, it's so obvious that this is something that I do sometimes. But this is always comes back to this being conscious of the fact that uh, that you do it. So, you know, when we talk about relationships, talk about self-talk, we talk about vision, we talk about goals, we talk about purpose, we talk about all of these different things. And when you say it, say, yeah, I know this. But that's the trouble, isn't it? Sometimes you seem to know it and use and, and do this, and other times you don't. I mean, that's that's the crazy thing. Well, that that's the gift. That that's the real big opportunity, is that you already know that stuff. But it's just being more consciously aware of it and then being able to do something with it. So in terms of value, it's understanding for yourself the value that you have, the value you're creating, the value you're providing, but also understanding what the other person in the relationship or your client or your partner or your kids or your friends, what they would hold importance and worth in will be what's of value to them. So by being able to understand the value, you're able to communicate what you do in a way where it can be valued rather than just feeling undervalued, underappreciated uh, or insulted or taken for granted. And also vice versa, the people who may think that you're undervaluing them or taking them for granted, it's been able to move that understanding more to a level of value 
rather than just quantity or quality. I've done a lot for you and I've done it really, really well. But if it doesn't really have any value or importance or worth or make a difference, it's difficult to appreciate it accurately. So it's just making sure we're protecting the value in the relationships, the value in the product, the value in the activity, and by understanding how to identify and articulate value. Yeah, so sometimes you talked about feeling undervalued or, and you can do this to yourself or to others and others to you. And then that's the feeling you have at the end of it. This is actually then getting, this is, this is understanding why you feel like this at the end of the process sometimes. It isn't about dealing with being feeling undervalued. It's, it's understanding the whole process. Yeah, it's looking at it objectively and intelligently rather than just the emotion. Because the emotion will go from one end to the other. You either feel undervalued or, or, or just feel there is no value in something. Or you might go to the other extreme and you think, because I like that, I want to imagine there's value. And if you've ever felt you've been kind of overly sold on something or you've had to reciprocate on something with value in return for something that was of no value, then what that is is an emotional decision-making process rather than a considered, consistent, intelligent-making process. So you've touched on this before lots. So emotion is, you know, black and white, one end or the other. You know, it's very binary in its nature then. And then what this is, is allowing us to choose where we what we want to value or how we're going to value it. Yeah, you can either feel undervalued or you can overvalue things because you kind of like them or you get excited about them or you think, oh, this looks really cool or this could be great or I just want this to work. So you imagine value, which sometimes will happen, but a lot of times it's not quite what you imagined and you end up disappointed and feel that you kind of put too much worth and too much importance towards something in terms of then investing your time or your money or your effort or whatever, or your reputation in something that actually didn't have a great deal of value. I love this. Okay. So it should feel familiar and to everyone, but then this is about being consciously aware more often so that you can handle this better. It's to accurately assess and accurately communicate value. And look, why this is important internally is that you will be doing things that you don't always notice you're doing. You'll be doing some really good things, some really important things, really worthwhile things, really valuable things, but you're not always noticing them. And if you then don't appreciate the things that you're doing, those disciplines, those habits, those routines, those responses, those really good questions that you might ask, if you don't value them, you risk then taking them for granted. And anything that you take for granted will get up and leave you at some point. (laughs) And the only time you'll then realise the value is when you go looking for them and they're gone. So internally, this is really important that you acknowledge, identify and appreciate the good things that you do that are worthwhile and important, the things that you do of value. I like that. So, so, you're, so this is looking at internal routines, things you do for yourself, things that you do for others, and understanding that they, they are making a positive impact for you or, or, or to others and to the world. And I like that. So 
anything you take for granted will eventually get up and leave. Yeah, so this acknowledging, and that's a good thing then. This is also good for, we talked before about confidence and the imposter syndrome, that if you take ownership and acknowledge the good things you're doing, actually when good things are happening to you, you understand that you played a very key part in it. It wasn't something that happened to you. It is something that happened because of what you were doing. Yeah. Yeah, your positive approach, your strength, your resilience, you're always there for somebody, always supportive, always trying to see the best in people, always being solution-orientated, all these things that are of importance and worth. You really need to value those and appreciate those so that you, you maintain them. But if you take the flip side of that as well, there's also some things that you do that are of no importance, aren't worthwhile, and bring no value. But you're still putting time and effort into them because it's maybe just what you've always done. Or maybe you feel it's what the situation or life or people have kind of pushed you into doing. So that's being able to assess and communicate value is, is not just about increasing value in everything you're doing. There might also be some things that you think, I really don't need to do that anymore. I, I, I still do that. And even though it's not adding any value. So should I really continue doing it? Or is there a way that I can make that of more value? Yeah, I was thinking of the motivation to move then with the with the different drop list. So if you're doing something, but you no longer feel it's important, stop doing it or find reasons why it is important. That assessing then is important. That assessing, taking a look, because we've got limited time, resources, mind space, you say resilience, grit, whatever it is, whatever mental um, energy you're using, then make sure it's on something valuable. And, and that's a conscious choice. Otherwise, an emotional choice has come in. And we sometimes let go of things that are actually of value to us because emotionally we've disconnected from the value or the importance or the worth. And then it's just down to, I mean, there's a lot of people who will look at their job and think, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. I'm bored, I'm fed up, or, you know, it's just a job, or I don't like the house I'm in anymore, or I don't like the partner I'm with anymore, or the car I drive anymore. Or, and it's because they no longer see the value in it. And sometimes if that's a, that's a conscious decision because you're assessing that on real value, then you'll make a conscious decision knowing that you are looking for something that would be that would increase the value. But otherwise, your emotions can just take in and think, well, if I'm bored, I don't see the value in anything. And so you emotionally assess that value. And then you end up letting some things go that were important, were making a difference, were of worth to you. And the moment you realise that value is when you've just let it go. Yeah, that consciously aware, this comes up again and again, this being conscious of making that choice of letting it go, you let it go, on purpose, on your terms. Don't let it go because you you haven't noticed it. Yeah. Okay. So that internal piece is that you're doing things that you don't always notice. So this is why understanding value is really important so that you start to notice more the things that you do and then assess them on importance and worth and value. Then there's the external aspect. You do a lot of things in the hope that someone else notices. You will go that extra mile. You will turn up that bit early. You'll put that extra thought, that extra effort, that extra bit of preparation in, in the hope that someone notices. 
And then when they don't notice, you then feel undervalued. You can sometimes feel a bit foolish for doing all those extra things. Or you can be trying to sell something to someone on the basis of how hard you've worked rather than the difference that it makes. So this allows you to make more conscious decisions and conscious communication of the things that you do that are of importance and worth and their value. Otherwise, all that good stuff can be like cellophane where no one can really see it until you remove it. And then when everything starts to bend out of shape, then you realise the value. So for externally then, so assessing value externally This is understanding then not necessarily what you are doing, but why these people are going to find this of importance or of worth. That's also sort of like you sort of said, this isn't about you working hard. It's you working hard to do something for them, to show them. Yeah, doing the things and not just doing them in the hope that they notice the importance and value and worth, but actually communicating the value and worth and importance of what you're doing. Yes, that communication then, especially externally then, is obviously super important. Absolutely. But also what, what means that you're, first of all, assessing what will be of value and importance to them so that you're not just doing things that you think are cool, things that you think are different, you know, that I want to differentiate what we're doing. And sometimes you can end up just being different rather than better. <laughs> yes. Um, so it's understanding that, if you want to really trade or communicate professionally or profession or personally in relationships, it should be being assessed on value, not just on quantity, because that's that, that commoditizes who you are and what you do. Oh, and that communication piece is a good is, is a good uh, let's say safety check as well. Is if you've assessed if I think I'm doing something for you, which is of huge value, and I'm telling you about it, and you go, actually, that's not quite what I'm looking for. It gives me the opportunity to change it. If, but if 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 it's either you're not noticing or you don't feel that value, being that active communicator actually gives us a chance to recalibrate and get it right. And and just as a a real live example from this morning, a, a, a client who I've known for a long period of time has put together uh, a business, a product, a service, and a solution that the world wants that already has orders um, in the scale of billions of dollars but has company are pulling the plug on it because they don't see the importance, worth, or value. And so what he's done is he spent the past three years doing some fantastic things, pulling all sorts of people together and all sorts of things uh, to create something and then prove the concept and even sell the concept for his own organisation because they don't see the value and not doing their part. And this is a, a large-scale example of what we can all do on a daily or hourly basis is we do an awful lot of things to make something happen without actually engaging people in how important this is, the genuine worth of it, and the real value. Because what it is then is just seen as a fantastic idea. But is it valuable? This is good. This is a conscious and active. That's really clear. I'm actually like 
normally lots of sales examples come to mind and lots of sales examples do, but there's lots of personal ones, isn't it? It's where you think you're demonstrating importance and worth to you know, a significant other, not necessarily the significant other, and they're not seeing it. And then that's when the sort of row starts, isn't it? It's like, yeah, you didn't notice I made you a cup of tea at 6.45 this morning, you know, and all of that sort of things. And, you know, that understanding that, it was important to them and they and you didn't appreciate it or acknowledge it. It's that activeness, isn't it? And, un- okay. and unfortunately, where that tends to lead is you no longer make those cups of tea or coffee because there's the resentment that builds in. And well, if you're not going to value, then why should I be doing? And and that deteriorates really. It, what it does is it devalues the relationship. And, and that is one of the key things, whether it's personally or professionally. Um, if you value something, then it's worth. Then it's important to you. It has worth to you. Then you should be consciously taking care of that. I'm just going to have to make a cup of tea for someone. I'll be back in a moment. There, got a second. <laughs> no. Whoops. Okay. And in terms of self development, you know, value is really, really important. So on on those four pillars of things. So this is about ensuring that in terms of your self-awareness, you become more aware of your value both internally and externally. Yeah. The things that are of value. And that's that consciousness then, isn't yes. it? It's being more aware. Okay, so that's the awareness, yeah, okay. Then you've got the, the, the next pillar, which is self-confidence. So this is you understanding where your value actually sits, the value that you can bring, the things that you can do that are of importance and worth and remembering and staying connected to your value. Then it's on to (laughs) self-management. And self-management is then making sure that you bring all your value to the situations that you want to deliver on. So making sure you're at your best for those moments that matter. Yeah. So that's it, that difference of the awareness and then the confidence and the management. This is that once you acknowledge it and see it, it's it's having is being brave enough and being strong enough in yourself then to be active about it is because sometimes when you're really conscious about these things, a little bit of self-doubt is going to kick in because you're not doing this um, almost unconsciously. You know, sometimes if you're doing it unconsciously, you'll just slip into these, these, these situations. The moment you become conscious, it can feel a little bit awkward. So that the linking with your self-confidence, taking ownership of the management of it, then this makes sure that you're, actively doing the right things. Yeah, I get that. And then that fourth pillar of self-determination is you then determining the value that you want to bring and determining that level of understanding of value. So not just going around and saying, well, I add value. If they can't see it, that's their problem. It's about that self-determination. What value do do you want to be known for? What importance and worth do you want to be recognized for? in every relationship and you self-determine. And that might mean developing some new areas of value, getting better at stuff or more consistent at things. But also what it's going to mean is that self-determination of making sure that your value is understood, not just waiting to see who gets it. That's great. That's and we touched on elements of this in the relationship one as well. And I see that that really key one because relationships, we said, it isn't just with people. This is with everything. This is the importance and the worth of your relationships and with so many things about you. 
So once you know what your outcome is, you self-determine how you're going to get there. And that helps by understanding the value, that what needs to be valuable to you to help you get to where you need to get to. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Get it. So we've got the self-awareness, we're conscious of it, we're confident that we will be able to man- take, take this all the way through to the self-management. But the big one then is being, is being bold enough to self-determine. How do you want your future to look? Is that right? Yeah, self-awareness, knowing where your value is, self-confident is appreciating what the value and worth of what you do is and remembering that that's what you bring. Then the self-management is making sure you do the right things, ask the right questions, bring your value time and time again, the best version of yourself to every situation that matters. And then self-determination is you saying, okay, so what future do I want to have? What value do I want to be known for? That's that, you setting that. And that's, you know, by all means, others might see, well, we see the value in you is this, 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 and this. If you have not determined what you want your value to be, you're just going to have to go along with what other people think is good enough for you. But that self-determination is you deciding for your journey what where you want to end up. Like that. And as we touched on this, this, so many times this comes through is we seem to do, sometimes slip into all of these different things, well, not by chance, by routine, by luck, by, but maybe there is some consciousness, but it's, this is understanding that you can use this so many more times than you currently do, isn't it? That's what I think the whole self-development is about, is that there are so many more choices and chances you have to determine what's going to happen next for yourself. Yeah, and therefore your development becomes authentic, sincere, consistent, with more conviction. You get to be successful by being you rather than pretending to be something or someone else or pretending to not be who you are. But that requires a level of ownership. If you feel undervalued, it has started with you. So... If I'm feeling that other people are not valuing me enough, it starts with me because I'm not communicating their value enough or I'm not... You haven't identified, assessed and communicated it enough. So you're kind of, well, I did a lot of things, I did them really well without actually valuing what you've done and then communicating that value. Well, I'm just not doing anything of value and I've got to look at myself in the mirror and say, "Uh uh-oh, you know. Like you said, to up your game, pal. Use the talents that you have, the skills you have, the strengths you have for better use, but you can create more value. That is it. So this is, yeah. So this isn't try to be somebody else who is seen of value. It's look into yourself and say, this is what I can bring to the party, which would be of value. And then once I've got doing that, actively communicate, this is what I'm bringing. To the party. And not just okay. hope that someone happens to notice. Yes. So how do we start with this? <laughs> Suddenly this looks like this is a massively important thing that we all got to start doing straight away. So what's a good place to start with when we look at this? Well, there's one model we're going to cover on this and it's a model that's split into three boxes. And for you to be able to identify, deliver, create, communicate, full value, uh, there are three elements to this. So we've got three boxes. The first box is labelled leadership. 
And this is not just if you're in a leadership job formally or you see yourself in a leadership role. This is the element of leadership, providing leadership. So whether that's a friend, a colleague, a parent, a brother, a sister, um, you know, part of your community, in your role, personally or professionally, um, leadership is that first element. The second box is then relationship. And the third box is then creativity. So I know that these cover a number of different things. So will we go through each box in a bit more detail? It one by one? Is that the plan? Okay. Yeah. In essence, what we're going to do is focus all the way through in terms of value. So we're not going to look at the quantity of things in each of these boxes or the quality of what you do. We're going to look at the value that each of these bring. For example, if we look at leadership, Leadership, this isn't about the many times that you lead or all the things that you do where you go first or you make a decision. The value in leadership is in providing direction. The value in a relationship is that it builds confidence. And the value in bringing creativity is to enhance capability. So you you can be creative in a whole number of ways. You can be different. You can be off the wall. You can be you know, really imaginative. But the only value in creativity is the creativity that enhances capability. The only value, the real value in the relationship is that it builds confidence. It's not just to be connected. It's not just to have likes and friends and connections. It's to build confidence. The value in the relationship is to build confidence. And the value in leadership is to provide direction. So we're sort of going through the layers of the onion here, I think. Kind of. So so we start along. Yeah, I'm not going to go into onion. So in the first, we got leadership. So the value in leadership then is in providing direction. So then this links us back to importance and worth. Yes. So the importance and worth in leadership is the direction that it provides. The importance and worth in the relationship is in the confidence that it builds. And the importance and worth in creativity is in the capability that it enhances. So those are your three boxes. Your full value is in a combination of these three boxes. So this is about having leadership, relationship and creativity. So if we open the lid in the first box of leadership, there are three things in that box. The first part of leadership to provide direction that's of value is your ability to demonstrate that you can eliminate someone else's dangers so that you can eliminate their worries, anxieties, concerns, issues. So on a level of value is knowing what their dangers, anxieties, worries or issues are. That is on a level of value. But the higher level of value is then being able to not just understand what they are, but be able to eliminate them. You're saying eliminate. So this isn't, and I know that you choose your words carefully. So eliminate isn't, um, it's not de-risking or reducing. You're saying, no, this is elimination. This is taking it totally and utterly away. So... That sounds a big ask. I mean, I, normally I'm thinking if you're in a, let's say, a sales situation, you, it's, it's hard to take away all dangers, all risks, all, all, all worries, isn't it? I mean, you, you, 
you can reduce them, you can make them manageable, but eliminate, that's a big ask. Is, 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 is it is a goal or is this is it mandatory? No, that, this isn't eliminating all dangers. It's eliminating dangers. So this is saying, okay, a danger that you might face is um, we, so if an organisation, for instance, is looking to hire someone, the dangers that they might face or the dangers that they might be worried about, their concerns and anxieties is maybe getting someone who's the wrong fit, getting someone who turns out not to be as good as they were making out to be, so they're really good at interviewing but not really good at doing the job. I've met some of those people. It may be that the process is too costly or takes too long. Uh, it may be that the, the person who's only using that role as a stepping stone to go somewhere else. So there's, there's a number of these dangers, anxieties, worries, concerns. So how would those dangers, concerns and worries be eliminated? So this is the one, so you, you can focus yourself onto a danger you know you can eliminate, for example. So that's it. So you know you can't get rid of all everyone's dangers, but you make it clear you communicate that these are the dangers which which are gone. Well, this, is, this, this is important. This is eliminating what they perceive to be a danger, not what you assume to be a danger, not what you're predicting to be a danger. Unless they have importance or worth, and that will come from eliminating their dangers, not just saying we eliminate dangers in general terms, but we can eliminate your dangers. So first of all, what are you concerned about? What are you worried about? What's holding you back from making a decision? What's your biggest concern? What's gone wrong in the past that you don't want to repeat? So finding out what those things are and the consequences that come from them. And then being able to say, for instance, you, you don't want to get someone who's the wrong fit. I understand. So therefore, what we're going to do is look at more of the personality, your business, the characteristics of the people who do fit best within your business. And then we'll match them up to the candidates who've applied for this role in terms of their character fit, not just their CV and list of employers. This is a good way of looking at it. You see this when you mean in big blue chip, let's say consultancies and smaller ones. The big blue chip ones is, you know, part of it is you never get fired for hiring x company x you know if you we may be twice we may be twice the price but if this is a danger that's key to you 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 know you'll never get fired for hiring this firm whereas for another one i guess you're focusing on lots of other you know other dangers but for that if this is a per so when you higher up the chain this wasn't such a big danger but actually when you were talking with mid-level um influencers and buyers this would be a big one. And if you were in one of the non-blue chip or high, more well-known, you wanted to talk to the top person as quickly as possible because of that. And, and, that, and that makes sense because that danger was just so big. You couldn't, you couldn't eliminate that danger unless you were talking to somebody who didn't have that as a worry in their head. That makes total sense. That line manager will have dangers that are probably more operational. The HR department's going to have more management and strategic concerns and then when you speak to the CEO they're probably going to have more shareholder value concerns and so how what you would do to eliminate would be different because their dangers and worries and concerns and issues are going to be different and if you take this on a personal level you know if you're inviting friends over for dinner for instance 
it's important to understand who you're organising this with, what their dangers or concerns are, possibly doing too many things, getting caught up and not being prepared or not getting round to organising the things they want it to be the way it needs to be done. Your value is then being able to say, okay, you don't need to worry about this because this is what I'm going to do. So eliminating dangers is the first thing. Some people really don't even look to identify the dangers. They just assume and they tell you what you should be worried about is this. And there is very little value in that. The second thing is that people do is they'll make the time to ask the questions to identify the issues. So at least you know, at least you know, I know what you're worried about. And there's a certain amount of connection and value, but the real value is being able to say, okay, here's how we're going to eliminate that. Here's how we're going to take away the worry and anxiety and uncertainty. So that's the first thing. The second thing is then to enable them to focus on opportunities. Now, this isn't just that if you didn't have these worries, that's the opportunity. The opportunity is that if we eliminate those dangers and worries and concerns, what could you then really focus on? What would you really want to get into? What would that free you up to do? What would really be exciting? What could you really start looking at? Because again, that's the value of your leadership. You're providing direction. We can eliminate or I can eliminate that danger, what a concern for you. And then what would that free you up to do? And that is not telling people what they should then be excited by. It's then asking, what would you then really want to do? So if we could take away all those worries or concerns, what kind of dinner party would you want to organise then? What would you be able to do between now and then? And that comes back a little bit. We talked about on that timeline with dangers and opportunities is if someone's looking at these, their mind gets full of it. They they can't focus on the opportunity. So that also that's the strength of that eliminating the D is not don't keep half an eye on it. It's gone. That's gone. So now let's 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 look forward to really what you could do. Let's look forward to something better. Okay. And the third and final element in leadership is you providing a clear plan and path, a clear, simple, easy, low barrier to entry. This isn't the whole thing. It's just what do you need to do to get started. So specifying that. And being able to say that I've got a way of working. Here's what I'm going to do for you. Here's the best way for us to start. And here's what I need you to do. So, for instance, in my line of work as an executive coach, I'm there to find out the dangers, worries and concerns. And the dangers, worries and concerns that I will get from different people in an organisation about the same person is always really interesting. But I'm there to then say, okay, Here's, here's how we'll work on that to eliminate that as being an issue or a concern. I will then go, and, and for a lot of people in my line of work, they will think that's enough. And as far as leadership, they're only dealing with one thought. So what I'm conscious of is then saying, okay, so when we get beyond this, what opportunities do you want this individual to really focus on? Well, how far ahead are we looking here? What is their career potential? What would you want them to be seeing on the other side of this? You know, or if we do an event, it's not, will the event go well? It's about six weeks, 12 weeks, three, four, five, six months down the line. What do you want to see happening because this event's gone really well? So it's focusing on that opportunity. Then the clear plan and path for me is all I need, 15 to 20 minutes over a cup of coffee, just to talk through exactly where you are and where you really want to get to, which makes it a very clear, 
simple, low barrier to entry, entry planning path. And to be honest, if someone's not going to give me 15 to 20 minutes over a coffee, they're probably either not ready or not serious. But it's a clear way to get started because people will get excited. We're going to eliminate these dangers. Then we can focus on these opportunities. But, but where do we start? And when that is boiled down to just a 15-minute phone call over a coffee, then we can get started. That's that first sign of commitment and thinking about the solution-focused one as well is when the, if you're imagining a six-month-in-advance event, that's probably quite daunting in a way. But, you know, have you got the time and the space and to, to have a cup of coffee? Well, yeah, of course. And as you said, and then that's when the, the, the confidence and the belief builds up. Okay. And it's a clear and simple plan and path to get started. It's not the whole roadmap. How would this work on a more personal, internal way then? So if it's the dinner party that someone's organising, okay, what's the dangers, concerns, what you're worried about, what's keeping you awake at night, what's making you kind of dread this or making you think, I don't know if I should have done this because we've all been there. It's really to be able to say, so here's what I'm going to do. Given these are your concerns, whether I think you should have these concerns or not, those are your concerns. Here's what I can do to help you. But this could even end, I can be having this conversation to myself. I mean, that's kind of how I mean in this. I mean, how you're saying it, I'm thinking this could be someone else, but actually this could be, you know, Warren. It starts with you. So, so actually defining what am I worried about rather than just I'm worried. It's actually specifying it consciously. Okay, these are the key things I'm concerned about. So what can I do to eliminate those? If this goes, so when this goes really well, how good could this be? What could that then lead to? Okay, so what's the very first thing I need to do? Probably sit down and write, write out a list. Yeah, great. You can see that, yeah. I said that, that internal monologue. Yeah, I've got like those two grumpy old men from the Muppets sitting in bed. Um, it's kind of like that, isn't it? You know, you can just have that conversation with yourself and get to and get to the good outcome quickly. Okay, you provide yourself with direction through leadership, and you you've been doing this sometimes all of the time. It's really clear. So it's providing, and it's as you sort of the way of doing it. You know, there's a positive direction, and you make, and you're getting that first step done. You're off. You're away. You know, the gun's gone. You, you're you're on your way. Okay. So that's that's the leadership then, which is providing direction. Okay, and then then we move on to the second big box, which is then relationships, and the value of the relationships then is in building confidence. Yes. And if we take the lid off that box and have a look inside, there are three bits in that box. And the first bit in this box is really important because it's the bit that most people miss. And that first thing is to reinforce strengths. Now, if this is dealing with someone else, it's about reinforcing their strengths because this is about building confidence. So it's about reinforcing their strengths. Too many people go to other people and say, let me help you because you're struggling. I think this is this is a really strong one. And I mean, you've talked about it when we were just even just talking about the, the, the four pillars of, of self-development, that confidence piece is nothing else will happen if there isn't that confidence to, to, to do something positive, is it? I mean, so if you're working with somebody else, 
you want them in a confident place. You want a confident partner. You want a confident customer. You well, if you want to be valued and you want to demonstrate your importance and worth, then part of your importance and worth in terms of the relationship is that they feel more confident with you. It's a positive relationship. It builds confidence rather than undermining. And then when you have a relationship where someone really wants you to be part of it, rather than scaring people into feeling that they can't do it without you, so they just desperately need you. This is, I was reading recently about the whole gaslighting phenomenon. This is that whole point, isn't it? Is that dependence, you know, stripping away all the confidence so this person can't live without you, can't do anything. And it's a systematic, it's abuse. And, but the way is, the way they describe it is, is that's the real negative. Actually, the real positive one isn't described as much. It's kind of like, don't do this negative thing. Actually, what you're saying is, is no, the it isn't about not doing something. It's actually positively bringing confidence to the conversation, to that relationship. Look, not doing something bad doesn't mean to say you're doing something good. Exactly. That's it. That's it. And that's when I was reading it. It's like, yeah, don't do that. Don't do those things. But and in the whole gaslighting thing, they were saying you see this in 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 causes, in conspiracies, in movements, in in you know gurus and all this social media. It's that constant "you need me for your confidence." What you're saying is is no. The trick is is imbue the other person with confidence. Yeah, going back to that internal monologue. Then this is that that whole connect with your own. Well, if you look at this, the external bit first. This is about reinforcing that other person's strengths. Then you're bringing a really valuable relationship because you're building their confidence. Now, if that's with an organization or, or a, a company client, then you're looking to reinforce the brand, the reputation, the products, the footprint, the, what people say about them, the difference they make in the world, their decisiveness, their ambition, their creativity, the clarity of expectation, their professionalism, their consistency, they're great to work with. And even that individual within that client you're dealing with, their personality, their willingness to be open and share with you, their willingness to be challenged, their patience, their desire to do something even better. That Those are the things you really need to reinforce so that you're helping build their confidence. If you're talking about an individual, a partner, a brother, a sister, a neighbour, a friend, it's about reinforcing their strengths. It's you're good at this. I, I trust you to be able to do that really well. You're really strong. You're always positive. You're great with other people. You always find a way. You always bounce back. You know, you're someone who turns up on time. You know, reinforcing their strengths is the first bit of bringing value to a relationship because it builds confidence, is reinforcing their strengths. And unfortunately, it's the box out of all these, it's the bit in the box that's missed most. Because people are just desperate to say, I can help. I'm good at this. What you really need to do, first of all, is say, look, you're good and I can really help. But you're good. The second element in the box then is about building that mutual confidence is then saying, here's my track record of success that is relevant. Here's when I've done these things before. Here's what I can bring. Here's what I've done. Here's the situations I've gone through. So with clients and companies, that might go on the basis of 
other businesses and other companies and other clients you've worked with. It might be testimonials. It might be uh, qualifications. It might be endorsements. Uh, it might be testimonials. Um, it might also be the types of people you have worked with um, in terms of your personal track record of success that's relevant. If you take this into a personal, if you're dealing with someone else on a personal level, it might be, remember when I was going through this situation with you, or I've been through that aspect on my own before, here's what I've done. You know, don't worry, I've moved house successfully a lot of times, therefore I can help you with this. You don't need to get overwhelmed with it, I can help you. So bringing your experience and track record to the table is how, again, you build, you first of all build confidence that person in themselves, and then you're saying you can also be confident in me because I can add value here, been there, done that, done it well, I know what I'm doing. And then that third element in the box is having an established process. Now, formally with companies and clients, that might be here's our onboarding process or here's our assessment process, here's our, you know, how we take a remit on things, Here's our, uh, you know, research and investigative process. Here's our discovery forms. And having an established process gives that company confidence that you're not just going to come in and try your best and say, trust me. You've actually got an established, documented way of doing things. When you're dealing with someone else on a personal level, that established process might just be, look, Here's how Tracy and I look at these things. Here's what we did. And we, we first of all did this, then we did this, then we did that. And that really helped us. On, on an individual place, I'm looking at this, and this is, this is so important. And I get what you mean about how easy it would be to ignore the first one. But listening back to our conversations and, and that sort of your track record, reinforcing the strength and the established process, sort of works a little bit with the accelerated learning model you've discussed as well in the past, isn't it? This is, you know, you 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 can do these things, you've done all of these things before, um, you know, before you come across tricky situations, remember what you did then. This is slightly a different one, but, you know, you, you did a list, you joined up a group, you know, you joined, um, you know, uh, you, you had an Excel tick list, whatever it was. And that makes sense as well that you can, this is a way, as you said, the value in this is building confidence. This is building confidence in yourself and your process and your abilities to see this through. You've done this before. You know how this is going to work. You know what, the, and that established process really uh, jumps out with that accelerated learning, uh, applied learning model that you've talked yeah, about. And, and it takes it beyond just trying to get lucky again. You know, maybe it was down to circumstances. You know, maybe it was just, I don't know if that, ah, but it's different times now. That was 10 years ago. That was 10 weeks ago. This is all this thing. So on an external level, whether it's in companies informal or more personal and informal, and as you're now saying, when you go internal, this is about, first of all, reinforcing your strengths, knowing what you're good at. You know, you always turn up, you'll always do your best, you'll get back up, you'll take the knocks and pick yourself up again. You'll remain positive and optimistic. If someone needs you, you would always be there. All that type of stuff, what you're good at. Then that track record, which is different from reinforcing your strengths, it's your track record. When have I succeeded? When have I done good things? When have I, when have I made something happen? 
And then that established process is your stuff, what works for you, so that this isn't someone else's solution. Now, why this box is really important today, as you've touched on in that kind of gaslighting um, aspect of it, social media is not designed to reinforce your strengths. It's not designed to connect you with your own successful track record, and it is not designed to give you the ability to find your established process. It's there to undermine all of these things, which is why the value of social media is still as yet unfulfilled. Because what it's looking to do is to undermine your strengths, tell you that you've, if you had a track record, you wouldn't be looking at this article anyway. And, and here's an amateur guru who's going to give you their secrets of success, their established process, that funnily enough is a sheep dip that's going to work for everybody, even though it's not going to work for you. So this is reinforcing your own strengths. This is the relationship within yourself is to build your own confidence, reinforce your strengths, identify your track record of when you've succeeded before, so reconnecting with that, and then establish your process. How do I tend to work? Am I a list person? Am I just jumping in and getting things done person? What is my process? Because if you don't have your process, there's a whole lot of people who want to tell you theirs. This is, and this is this comes back to that authenticity that, that you discussed with the self development. I like this. This makes again so much of this stuff. When you're saying it, it sounds so obvious, and that's why it's so strong, isn't it? Because you know that, as you said, some you you do this sometimes all the time, and that's and that's it, and that's that's the key. Is it hits home really quickly because you know that when you've done things really well, you've you've followed bits of this process or mostly this process, but you just didn't really understand that you that there there is a model that you can actually replicate, that you can keep doing these things again and again and make it work for you. Yeah. Okay. Value typically for most people and most organisations is like a scrunched up piece of fabric. And what this enables you to do is to iron this out and see the parts of that fabric that make it something into, into the whole. And you can see the scope and scale of it and identify what you can do with it consciously rather than value just being this feeling. So the, the third box, which is important then, is the creativity box. The value in creativity is then enhances capability. If it's just creativity that doesn't enhance capability, it is still creativity, it's just not of any importance or worth. And this is where you see lots of creative, I'm putting doing like the whole rabbit ears thing now, it's almost just being creative for creative sake. This is about, you know, this is creative solution, creative thinking to make things better. Yeah, and look, if, if, if your differentiation has just been different, then good luck. Um, and people being able to create some, you know, understand value. But if your differentiation is about being better, providing an improvement, enhancing a capability, then that's high value creativity. So when we open, we open up the lid on that box and we see the three things in that box, the first thing we look at is a unique offer. So from a company or client perspective, this is about your unique offer. So what can you bring 
that they can't get anywhere else? What can they just get? Now, it's likely to be a combination of things, your unique pixels that make up your picture. But it may also be something that you do have that's unique. So this could be something similar to what other people do, but it's in a different order or it's a different speed or it's a different, yeah, tempo or colour. Okay. So it it doesn't need to be totally and utterly out of this world. It's just how this is delivered, done, seen, felt, experienced is you. Okay. Here's what you'll get here you won't get anywhere else. Or or on a personal level, you may say to someone on a personal level, here's what I can do for you that no one else will be able to do because I know you better. Because you know what I've been through and how I've dealt with it, I can uniquely support you through this. So you can get something here or you know when you speak to me it's not going to go anywhere else. So there's a unique level of confidentiality between us. Or you and I go back 20 years. That's incredibly powerful then. So the unique offer, originally, you immediately try and think of how do I put a fancy gizmo on top of a product or something. No, this isn't about that. This can be based on a number of different unique elements that you have in in terms of relationship. It could even be geography, time, even things like pricing and the guests could come in at some stages but literally anything that is part of your proposition i guess and i'm thinking i've I've desperately tried not to say the word value proposition at any of this because this proposition then is about the communication of the value this is really identifying and understanding your value and once that's better understood then you can propose it and communicate it better you know one of the aspects that i will put to my clients that's unique is that I genuinely don't believe anybody's going to care as much as I will because I won't treat it as a job. Okay. So this is we're st- so we're in the creativity box. That's number one is unique offer. So this is your unique offer, which is offering value to the other person or to yourself. Okay. And then the, the second bit is that it's an integrative approach. And and that's a a fancy way of saying I'll fit in. <laughs> I was going to say. So, you know, from a company and client's perspective, that might be on the basis of, you know, if you didn't have an integrative approach, and it's amazing how many people will go into a company, a client, and say, look, you've tried yourself, you now need to rip all that out and then put our stuff in. An integrative approach is saying, okay, so what have you done already? Let me see what you've done already. Let me work with that. Let me build and improve upon what you, let me enhance the capability of what you've already got in place as opposed to let's just strip it all out. So on a, on a personal relationship basis, that might mean I'll come and see you or look, what would be easier for you? Do you want to step out somewhere else to that type of conversation? How can I help? Let's integrate with what you're doing. What's your plans already? What you've already committed to? Right, okay, let's work with that. That's an integrative, I'll fit in, I'll fit around you. That's where you're being creative and you're enhancing capability. I like that. So for yourself, you can look at your own routines, day-to-day things you do and say, actually, you, know, you could you could, um, you could, could do that on, on the way to work, on the commute, on the way to work or something. You wouldn't have to suddenly do something totally and utterly different in your day or your week to fit the, to, to, to do this thing that, that you need to do. Okay. And I'm thinking back to uh, the change management episode as well. 
that the danger of ripping out everything is why you know transformation projects fail but anything you you know you want to start from the strong base and that building the confidence is actually we don't we've got something really good here to build with we're just adding we're changing bits and pieces of it in time okay and then the third third element in the box is it's an evolutionary solution and in simple terms that is meaning i'm here for the long term so for a client a company perspective that is really already starting to research starting to look ahead to say, okay, these are probably the questions you're going to be asking me in the next two to three, four years. Here's the next things that are coming up within your industry that I'm looking at. We're already looking at being an evolutionary solution so that beyond this situation, we're already getting prepared for that. On a personal relationship basis, then you're looking at someone else saying, look, you know I'm going to be here. Look, this, this isn't just, a, okay, we'll be in this situation and then, you know, we'll part companies. Look, I really want you to succeed. I really want this to go well for you. I want to be having dinner in this new house with you over the next five or 10 years and seeing how you're going. And as you move into different relationships and everything else, having a, a relevance and a value on an evolving basis. We won't need to help you with this in future. What we'll really want to be doing is, won't it be great we're having the conversations about this, 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 and that? That is enhancing capability by having an evolutionary solution. And how we're covering this today will still be relevant to you in five or 10 years' time. Because this situation you're going through, you can have tens of different situations that are relevant to this. So it has long, it has life, it has legs. You see, and you see that in sales terms, you see this obviously, you see this with products or, you know, this product's long and long lasting. You see this in SaaS conversations. The reason we're happy to do this on a monthly basis is we know it's going to be long term and it's kind of eliminating that danger and it's going to be defunct. But one thing I think is sometimes missed then is that relationship aspect you said is our conversation is going to change, our relationship's going to develop as the, as the product changes. I think that's something that maybe. I'm guilty of, of sometimes looking at the, the the product that you're doing and not actually linking in everything together. All of the different elements of that relationship are going to evolve. And you actually would do a lot of that until that bit, and then you kind of just leave and just say, so this is a product for all seasons. It's actually, no, this relationship is, is something for all seasons. So for, for the external, so either in companies and clients or in personal relationships externally, in this box, you've got that what's unique. So what you're going to get from me, what can you get here that you won't be able to get anywhere else? Then that integration, so I'm going to fit in and fit, fit around you. And that's not just being, okay, whatever you want. This is saying how specifically we're going to integrate. And then there's that evolutionary thing. So we're here for a longer term. This is the beginning or the continuation of a 5, 10, 15 year relationship. And as things change and evolve, we're going to be there. Now, if you look at that internally, this is you looking at your unique aspects, the bits that are really about you. This is then integrating with that, with saying, well, what's my process? What works for me? As you were saying, maybe the commute on the train or the bus or the car or whatever, or it might be this integrates because I've got kids or I'm homeschooling or I'm not homeschooling or I'm working or I'm, whatever your lifestyle is, is integrating with what works for you rather than creating sheer disruption for that three or four weeks while you try and learn a new language or a new way to cook things. It's actually integrating it. 
so that in six years' time, you're still wanting to do it. And then that evolutionary solution is making that lifelong view on saying, so what then happens? What would I learn from this that would be of value going forward? If I can do this, what else could I then be doing? Yes, that's really strong. I love that. It features with that future outcome as well. You should be able to see a pretty clear link then between that self-determined outcome that you want and where this is going to take you as well. There should be there, there should be a red line somewhere through this. Or yeah. Now the combination of these things is where your full value is, and you'll notice that there's nothing about cost or price in any of those nine elements within the three boxes, because this takes you beyond being commoditized. You know, it could be you or someone else. How much is it going to cost? This really starts to move you up towards value and impact as opposed to just quantity or quality. Where it loops back round is when you move from that evolving solution to then reiterate back in the leadership box your clear plan and path. So all we're looking for to get started is why don't we catch up for 15 minutes over a coffee? But as you said, this isn't about, I mean, I'm, I mean, lots of different examples are coming into mind about where this works. But yeah, sometimes it is money. But as I've said, sometimes it's going to be time, space, effort. I mean, this is it, isn't it? If you need to spend a lot of time or headspace or effort or on something, it needs to be of value, of importance, of worth. Otherwise, you won't do it. So if you haven't done this well enough, then you won't do those. You know, this won't be valuable enough for you to spend an hour a day on, an hour a week on because it's not valuable okay so to, to summarize over those those nine bits within the three boxes and we'll just do this on a personal internal basis it's to be aware of what you're worried about or anxious about but look at how you can eliminate that it's then focusing on what the opportunities you want to create and then understanding what you can do within 15 minutes to get things started then it's about reinforcing your strengths to build your confidence. Identifying when you've done things well, so your successful track record. And then just being aware of what is your process, what tends to work for you. And then in that third box of creativity where you're looking to enhance your capability, look at what you do and what you can bring that just is just from you. What's unique? How can you then integrate that into what you're already doing so that it's not revolution? And also then the evolving piece. What can you learn from that that's going to serve you well going forward? So where's the evolving solution? Where's the evolving value that continues to enhance your capability? And at an operational level with this, it's about understanding your value on these aspects because you're already doing all nine things some of the time. Some of these nine things you can identify better, work on more. Some of them you're doing all right with. There might be one or two that you think, I really haven't paid any attention to those. But you're likely to have a connection with all nine. So it's understanding your value, first of all. Understanding these are the, where value comes from. At a management level, it's then assessing where you are in terms of making sure on these nine points you're as strong as you possibly can in terms of your value. And then at that strategic level, it's then communicating that value to yourself and to others so that you're never feeling undervalued or devalued or commoditized or to make you feel that you don't really count. This is great, isn't it? So, I mean, if you do this well, your days, weeks, months, years should be full of valuable, important, worthy work. 
and you should feel that is valuable and everyone else you're working with should feel the value. I mean, that's what an amazing place that would be to be, that you feel that everything you are doing, you've set yourself up so well that everything you are doing is valuable to you and to others. You feel it to yourself. They feel it as well. You get to enjoy being successful because you're being successful by being you. Yeah. And that is the best type of success. That's happiness. This has been very valuable. Thank you, Stephen. This is great. I'm loving this. Nine boxes, three times three. Loving it. Thank you. Talk to you again soon. Every time, every time I have these conversations with Stephen, I feel that we're going over something we've done so many times before. And every time I get better insights, I feel smarter at the end of it. Part of this whole self-development continuum. Becoming more and more aware of value, of how to define it, how to use it, how to translate it, how to articulate it, how to communicate it. The confidence that comes from knowing this well, the confidence of having a model, the confidence of having done this before. And then taking this and managing this to determine your own future, your own outcome. It's so powerful. Valuable, I guess, is the word I should use. I'll write out the model. um, But again, everything, all of this information is on the Coach Pro site. So do go and check it out. Thank you, everyone who's listening for the support, for sharing, for for liking on LinkedIn, for recommending it to your friends and family. It is much appreciated. I really hope that this gets to someone who could really use it at this moment in time. Anyway, I'm off. going to start going through a nine-box model myself. Hope you're well. Talk to you again soon. Bye-bye.